I think you should cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's I just feel like that's the dumb part. I don't know what it is about that part, but it's I just, just like... Can't keep on running with the same old dude. I'm not talking about you, said I'm talking about the even. And I just can't understand why I get the best friend. I'm down here at the corner store. Can't remember what I came here for. Lost in the aisle, staring at the floor. The world is a killer, and it's killing me, baby. Getting faster lately. Where can I turn for safety? Everyone is a stranger. On that daily grind, see your body working overtime. Peace of mind, very hard to find. The world is a killer, and it's killing me, baby. You're listening to Inside Out with Turner and Seth, and it's another episode with uh, my latest favorite band, Fruition Band. I love them, and uh, we have Kellen Acebrook. He is a keyboardist, originally a guitarist, but when you're a band with Jacob Anderson on guitar, uh, you maybe want to explore some other instruments, because Jacob is quite the guitarist, right, Seth? Oh, yes, and uh, if you don't know about that... Go back to some old episodes of ours where you can discover more. Yes, we even had Jacob as a checking in as a real quick. We This interview was from last fall. Kellen was a little forthcoming on some of the things that were coming out, as you'll learn in this interview. A broken. We're, what's that? I was saying not only in this interview, but you'll learn from uh, many other episodes that we have been able to release because for some reason, artists like talking to us, Rob. Turquoise. So Broken at the Break of Day is the... Uh, Take a New deep breath. EP. It's out now. By the time I think it comes out on the day this will be released, if That's not, it's true. Yeah. That's true. Great EP, and, and um, you just heard that. Uh, well, it's not an EP. It's a full album, isn't it? It's a vinyl. Well, let me see. There there are there are uh, a bunch of songs, so you might be, I, I don't know. It's only seven songs, and you know, it's fruition. God bless them. The songs don't get that long until they get live, and even then only once in a while, because they're more about the craft of the song. Wonderful harmonies, great songwriting, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, you just heard one of the, you just heard um, Kellen's offering. A little you, piece Kevin. of it. You'll hear the rest of that later in the episode. If you want to hear the songs all full, all at once, then buy the freaking record, man. This is a podcast. We do snippets, all right? So do we do snippets now, Rob? This is amazing. Our podcast now will only be 60 minutes instead of two hours. A little over 60 minutes. <laughs> Seth, it's tax season. <laughs> oh, it is tax season. The year is now 2020, and don't wait till April and get screwed. Get po-laid. That's right. Po-po-po-laid. Po-lay and Clark. 
you are you regular listeners are probably sick of hearing this, but for people who need financial help, who need someone with a you know understanding of the changing tax laws and with a long term vision and someone who really cares, you want to go with a company like Polay Clark. PolayClark.com. Check them out. Thanks for spending Christmas with us, Robert. So yes, and also we are uh, a part of a great family called Osiris. And I just wanted to point out the tapes archive part two, uh, season two is coming out, and um, that's significant for a lot of reasons. It's an interview show, and it's more raw interviews, so it's different stuff from way back many, many years ago. And then interesting about the Osiris Network, I love how somehow there's, I love the synergy of Osiris because we didn't get in a call and talk about all these different things. But do you know that, uh, as, as many of our listeners know, we just released a two part Mark Brownstein episode. And by the way, wishing him well wishes in his surgery, a quick recovery. Uh, had a great time with him on Jampers. We'll get about that later. But, uh, there's a couple episodes with him now out there, including, uh, him on, uh, Barber's, uh, Touchdowns all day, and uh, John Gutwillig was on No Simple no Road. Simple no Simple Road. Road did a great job That's with right. that, That's I gotta say. So but no what sim- I was going to say, oh, Seth, okay, go is Neil Pert, and my friend Kevin says it's Peart, amazing drummer of Rush, technically proficient, and bombast. You know, a lot of these rock drummers are one or the other, but Neil Pert is one of those that was both. Pass, passed away at the time we're recording this. Tapes Archive has a reco- uh, an interview with him from oh, many, right, many yeah. years ago. Mm-hmm. Rare interviews, because the guy... Is it the same guy? Yeah. Oh, so it's only him that does, it's only his interviews, right? Well, I think, yeah. It's the same guy doing the interviews, but I don't think the guy doing the podcast is the same guy. I don't know. I don't really, I don't get much interaction from him online, but um, I love the podcast. The last last season, the Dweezil Zappa and Frank Zappa alone were, you know what, the Dweezil Zappa one that was done in Boston, and I, I was living up there then, and I realized I have this shirt of this band Z that was his band that I bought on the day that that interview was took place little Whoa. little personal nug so seth's very happy because um we'll be talking about jam cruise first of all because this interview with kellen i did alone because uh, seth was away but we get at, uh, at the point where we do the wayback machine seth wasn't there to do the wayback machine sound but we had a seth involved jam cruise tragedy narrowly averted kind of story and seth's just coming off of jam cruise so the outro will be seth um giving you uh updates on this year's version uh Music and activities wise, right, Seth? Right, and I'm still exhausted. Fruitionband.com, they had just announced all kinds of tour dates. They're coming back south here, no Atlanta date yet, but they're playing Asheville, a bunch of other days. They're playing out in the mountains as always, so go to fruitionband.com, check out the the mountains. What's that? I like going to the mountains. I would like to go. I'm going to Asheville next month. I was going to go next week, but it didn't work out. It looks like when Humphreys is there, I'm going to do like a full week thing and do a bunch of stuff. As long as it lines up with your schedule, all right. Um, but I love these guys. I love this band. I love their lyrics, their spirit, everything about them, as you have heard before. But I want to mention again, when they play Atlanta, Mimi is from Atlanta, and she's a transplant out to the Northwest. Who can blame her? Although I love Atlanta, but who can blame her? The Northwest is awesome. But it's always special when they play her because her family's out there and stuff. And we mm-hmm. get debuts and we get you know raucous shows and stuff like that. So Atlanta people should go see them every time. And when they're in your town, you should go see them. So you want to so, throw? Uh, yeah, let's go ahead. And give it a listen. Jam Cruisers and Jam Cruise cur- Curious. Stay tuned for the outro. But for now, here's our boy, Kellen. Ace I got in. Got in too deep. Sun dipped down and I cannot see. 
way out here Saying, honey, you can swim But I just want to sink I don't want to think about it some yeah. of fruition, yep. Mr. Kellen Acebrook. Hello. Good to have you here. It's nice to be here in Atlanta. And we are on the heels of watching it all fall apart, which was your, your biggest CD, the one that captured your live energy the most. So there's this great anticipation for your next project. And I hear you have some news on that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. That's why that made that that's, sound just yeah. now. It's just it's coming the, in over the wire right now. That's the news whistle. This just in. <laughs> Where's Seth? He would have loved that. <laughs> um, I don't know Morse code, though, so that's not going to really work out with it. Yeah. It's confusing. It's dots and spaces. <laughs> yeah. and it's very binary. Um, yeah. No, yeah. You're, you're totally on point about that whole um, capturing the live energy in the last full length. And um, that's what we've been trying to do forever. And it's just like each time we get a little closer. And that, yeah, that was the closest we've gotten and it felt good, but yeah, we're about to, um, we're about to drop a couple more records. We just finished recording two EPs worth of material, um, that we mostly did ourselves. We recorded one of them in Colorado at a studio and one of them in our, in our basements in our, in our basements, really? in our drummer's basement studio, oh. in our basement's drummer's studio, <laughs> which is a whole nother thing. <laughs> this will be released in conjunction with the first. Great. Okay. That's so we're actually in the future right now. Yes. Feels so, good, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Been trying to, yeah, been trying to get on that tip. Country's a little stranger. Oh, God. Shit. <laughs> in a good way, I hope. <laughs> so you were, is it going to be like two sides of a record or two separate EPs? Um, no, you nailed it. It's both. So um, we're going to release them individually, um, digitally. Uh, first EP in, uh, that was coming out in conjunction with this podcast called Wild is the Night. And then a couple of months later, we were going to release another EP called Broken at the Break of Day. Um, although you might want to edit that part out if you can, because I don't know if we're supposed to be saying it by then or not, because that's unreleased. Whatever. Well, Maybe Josh. it's just a secret for um, the people who listen to the pod. Um, a little inside info yeah. from inside out. But we, ma- we made sure that both EPs, they're like, 
actual time um, was enough to fit on one side of a record and not only fit on one side of a record, but like comfortably fit on one side of a record, which is about 23 minutes, I think is, um, is how much you can put on there without sacrificing like sound, sound and grooves. Uh, I think you can go up to like 28 or something and still fit it onto a, one side, but you end up squashing a bunch of the more subtle frequencies that you want to hear when you listen to a record. Yeah, it's the whole point of vinyl is that yeah. it's not cut off like this. Exactly. Right. So, um, so yeah, it's two EPs, but uh, yeah, eventually they fit onto one LP, side A, side B, EP one, EP two. Um, and, and you've been releasing singles, but in these none of these are. Those are unrelated. Okay. Uh, yeah, just the, the, in these last couple of years, the the game has changed so much when it comes to releasing music and keeping people's attention. Um, there's just a lot of music out there. I read something today that like there's like a hundred thousand songs being uploaded to Spotify every day or some crazy shit like wow. that. Cause anyone can do it right. really. Once you have the, the tools to get it on there, you can put whatever you want on there. Um, and that's not why we want to like put up more stuff, but at the same time, we're looking at like the stuff that's being successful for people, especially in the pop and like hip hop and like dance music and not that we're necessarily those things, but like people are releasing singles and stuff all the time, sometimes out of the blue just to like kind of keep it fresh. Yeah. And also as far as like how Spotify's algorithms work, like that stuff gets put on your release radar. If you follow a band and it just pops up onto playlists and like, you just have more of a fighting chance of being heard and seen in a fucking sea of music and musicians. If you have more content. Right. Are you and gonna, we have a lot of content. Absolutely. I mean, you guys, every album, you have too many songs, don't you? Yeah. We, we end up having to cut a lot of, songs and that's kind of what the these singles the digital 45s and real 45s that's a lot of that is like stuff that hit the cutting room floor on an album but was good enough to be on an album just like didn't quite fit into the flow or whatever that we ended up for watching it all fall apart for example like i think driving into the storm which we put out last month we recorded in those sessions or at least we originally did and then um we didn't use it so is that strictly J's? That's a J song, yeah. So how much are you guys collaborating on these on this new material? You, you generally, either you, Mimi, or Jay brings to the band and then yeah. it, it unfolds. Yeah. Do you collaborate at all? Um, more and more all the time. You know, in the past, the collaborations have more been like, okay, here's my song. Um, here's the, the skeleton, the bare bones of how it goes. And, and then everyone add their part as they hear for the most part, sometimes the songwriter's like, I want the drums to be this way. I think that guitar is supposed to do this. Sometimes it's just like, here's the song. Do what you guys want, what feels good, and we'll, we'll shape it up. Um, when you're in T-Tom's basement, is it more likely to be that way than yeah. if you're in a studio? Uh, well, you know, usually we're fleshing this stuff out before we hit the studio um, so that when we get to the studio, we're not wasting too much time. But what I was getting at was, like, the collaboration before was, like, pretty strict, like, we give some ideas for what should happen instead of like actual like co-writes, you know, it's like collaborative thinking, but like written by one person. This, this next couple of EPs that we're putting out have actual co-writes, like one that I wrote the chords for and Jay wrote words and one that Jay and Mimi, like Mimi had an idea and then Jay fleshed out this thing and they went back and forth and it's awesome. And, and Snapdragon, which we just recently released is a total split down the middle, Mimi oh. and Jay tune. Um, there's shared even, lead vocals too. Right? Uh huh. Yeah, we're trying to do more of that. There's even a tune that's coming out on that on the EP, 
um, that started actually Jeff wrote the our bass player wrote kind of the chords for it just based off of a bass riff that he does and Jay wrote words to it so that kind of stuff is finally starting to happen which is super exciting because there's a whole Pandora's box of potential when it comes to further enriching our sound and just like yeah just I don't know what the word is I'm looking for but it's just kind of a greater than the sum of its parts type of thing when you start getting these co-writes kind of like you know so many Beatles tunes for example were like Lennon and McCartney instead of just one of them and like there's something to be said about like combining people's magic to make more magic someone you trust someone who gives you honest feedback yeah yeah, we give you honest feedback and you know you know them just you know inside and out as good as you know yourself or better sometimes have any of these songs and on the EPs have they been performed live yet um, there's one that we've been doing that's uh, going to be track one on Wild as the Night that's called Forget About You that we've been doing that for the last couple months just because it's really fun um, and that's a J-tune we'll probably well we're in the future now so I was going to say we'll play it tonight but it's not tonight when whoever's listening to this is listening to this <laughs> can you play Eraser tonight? Uh, yeah yeah well I, I, I mean tonight as in like in the past in the past when people hear this will they be hearing that at the end of the episode <laughs> that version got it uh you know what? i'm gonna go ahead and say yes i'm gonna make the executive call we cool. have about 100 minutes plus tonight to play and so we've got a lot of songs but i think i'll throw that one on there what is it like when like mimi comes in with the, the northern town or, or or jay with the i mean that's a I feel like I'm going to know that song for the rest of my life. The, uh, yeah. I'll never sp- say your name. Yeah. It, it reminds me, honestly, it reminds me of my own divorce. And it's when I'm more and more hearing younger people speak, I'm over 50 and these younger people are in, in my head almost. Yeah. You know, um, Marcus King with, uh, the man you never knew. I mean, yeah. there's all kinds of examples. And Jackson Brown wrote these days at 14. No I mean, shit. How, how do, where does that come from? These young people can be tapped into such wisdom. We just talked to, to Taylor with, uh, with the, no, the holy no, nothings. He's really tapped in. What, what is yeah, that? Yeah, I, th- I think that there's, I don't know, for lack of a more straightforward term, like a collective consciousness that, like, as the world gets stranger and stranger, it, artists especially are, like, tapping into that, the human condition and the struggle and the hardships that people have endured over time. Not saying that our hardships are anything like, you know, the hardships that people have endured over time, but we're tapping into that collective like sadness and also collective hope um, that comes from you know divorce and your heartbreak or a, a death or a birth or falling in love or or you know whatever it is I think that people are just tapping into it I, I don't think that's a new phenomenon um, it's just amazing when it's coming out of such young brains. yeah yeah I know I know it, there's people that blow me away that are 10 years my junior that I'm just like, how are you this tapped in? You know, like Fiona Apple, like good example. criminal. She was like 17 when she was writing all that shit. And I, I know she didn't write all this, all the tunes. I know she did a great deal of the writing, but like, that's insane to me. Like, it sounds like she's got the experience of, you know, a hundred people <laughs> um, that are, a hundred years old and yet she's just starting um yeah it's it's bizarre to me too but it's 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 real and so are you self-producing this one yeah mm-hmm. both the both they're all done being recorded um we're just finishing up the artwork and 
Yeah, the one that we did in Denver, which is the first, the first half, we um, available now. <laughs> that's correct. Wild as the night. Um, we had an engineer that that we hired there that worked at that studio, but um, for the second half, our t- our drummer Tyler engineered it. We've we've self produced it all, um, and a lot of it is a lot of the reason we can do that is because we have enough experience now both working with producers, trying to self-produce, trying to self-engineer, trying to do it without any help, trying to do it with all the help. You know, we've been doing this as a band for 11 years now, almost 12 by the time this podcast comes out. And <laughs> um, How blunt do you get with each other, though? I mean, there's got to be trust, but then part of that trust is if you really think something's not working, you got to tell someone. Right? Our, you know, that's the hardest part of any relationship is, like, open and clear and, and blunt or like brutally honest communication, nonviolent, like um, intentional communication is hard. Um, at least it's hard to learn. Some people are kind of raised with that and some people have to figure it out and, and bands especially have to figure it out for themselves because it's, you know, pivotal. It's key. It's key to your survival and it's five or six or however many people living in such close quarters with each other that if, if you don't learn how to express your feelings and say the hard truths and you just let that boil it'll drive you insane and it'll break up a band and it'll cause you know irreparable damage um just like any relationship you know so we're, we're we finally starting to figure it out more and more of when to speak up when to like give someone truth bombs but like from your heart because you love them when to shut up is like so crucial <laughs> that it, you know I've had to figure that out over the years um, my co-host needs a little of that uh, yeah you're super he's Ira, doing well today Ira just won't shut the hell up over there <laughs> Jesus Christ no I'm talking about Seth he's not here but, but, <laughs> but we have a Seth thing for you in a minute <laughs> I have been watching some of your recent shows and I know you guys are very much about the song yeah. But it does seem like there's some jamming and stretching creeping its way in. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Especially as we get older, as the music evolves, as we evolve as players and as people, um, we're, we're getting a little braver and a little more willing to explore the outer bounds of what we used to do or what we do. And also, like, within a smaller context, like, here as we've been on tour for the last couple months straight, as tour progresses even you notice the songs loosening up, finding like really clutch pockets that weren't there even right. a month ago. And yeah, just bringing it back to the trust thing. Like we know each other, we can trust each other to play it right. And if it's wrong to fuck it up right. Um, yeah, it's really exciting, honestly. It's the best part of my day. And you and Mimi are multi-instrumentalists. Are you introducing new instruments? I noticed Mimi was playing some piano on Soundtrack. Yeah, actually, you caught the first time we'd, we'd practiced um, live uh, her song Playing On, which we just released on, on a 45. But yeah, in the studio, she played the piano on it. I didn't play anything. I just... Oh, no, I, I did. I played some keys, but just background stuff. Um, so yeah, we all, play, we all play everything, man. I, I'll say except drums. Tyler's pretty much the, the dude who can hand. You don't want to hear it, most of us. Oh, he's a great drummer. <laughs> he's amazing. Both fans. He's, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, we like to switch it up. Man, I'm excited. That, that'll be the first song that I play an electric guitar on. 
Tonight we get it tonight? I think we're going to play it tonight. Nice. Yeah. Bring it. We love breakouts in Atlanta. It's a great time yeah. to break stuff out of. I feel like we've done that a lot here. Um, yeah. yeah, what do you got there? That's from when you opened for Galactic. Ira is a voracious oh, uh, recorder. Yeah, that's for you. You can have that one. Parting gifts. Cool. Interesting. But, you know, we're on Osiris. Before, before we go back, Yeah. and, and it's a very fish-heavy um, listenership, uh-huh. um, the intellectual curious side of the fish fan base. And I know that just a couple of years ago in Nashville, you saw your first couple shows. And, and my <laughs> favorite. last mu- summer. <laughs> my fa- oh, it was just last summer. Yeah. So it's not when Bob Weir sat in. No. Okay. No. What did you think of Fish? Um, I was highly entertained. Um, I, I have listened to him, you know, throughout the years and never really been able to get past some of the like vocal styling and, and like lyrical stuff. Sure. As much just because it didn't connect with me, not because. Right of whatever kind of like other garage or bullshit right. problems people have with fish or, you know, oh, I've heard some thing. pretty weird anti-fish points. <laughs> yeah. I'm not about <laughs> that. I, I, I had a great time. Um, those all, all four of those dudes are just world-class musicians at the base of it. So like seeing what they can do and how they do it is a sight to behold. And it's a pleasure to hear. Um, I also kept myself kind of busy because I was, writing notes and taking a set list oh, really? of that show, even though I didn't know the names of any songs or really any of the players besides Trey. Right. And so I was just writing a set like, okay, a uh, mid-tempo blues rock number <laughs> bass player singing. Like, <laughs> posted online, everyone, people are like, oh, that's blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's definitely <laughs> Divided Sky or something. You know, I'm like, okay. Um, so that also kept me super engaged in that show. But yeah, it was, it, they're great, man. I, I got... I got nothing but love. It's quite a feedback between the fans and the, and the band, too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, normally normally we would go to the Wayback Machine now, but Seth is my Wayback Machine man, and he's not here. So okay. instead, we're going to tell a little story. Oh, gosh. you are. Okay. Do you remember on Jam Cruise? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Probably not. No, I'm just kidding. Go you ahead. almost got left in Port of Progresso, and you oh, and Seth were on a yes. bus together. Okay, yeah, that happened. <laughs> that happened. I... I <laughs> I like when we got on that jam because this was last the last one um, I was like I'm gonna get off in every port and like go check out some stuff and have a meal and you know whatever I failed on that completely and Progresso I think was maybe the last stop and it was like already three in the afternoon like the last calls at five I like ran down and got off the boat and went and treated myself to lunch and watched the watched the waves come in and got back to the bus depot and the last bus had left to go like way out to the cruise terminal, which I was terrified of. That absolutely scared the shit out of me because if you miss the boat, you miss the boat. Yeah, There's no getting back. Like you can't like fly to the next port and get back on. They don't even let you do that. No, you're calling your agent saying, get me home, please. I'm calling my agent and manager and begging for my job to still exist. And like, I was just really, really scared because hey, that's super embarrassing and pretty unprofessional. B, I wouldn't be on the boat for the rest of the time. We still had a couple sets left, and I would have been just a pariah and a problem and a huge pain in the ass for everyone that's still on the boat. We probably wouldn't work with Cloud9 ever again. Just all these things going through my mind. I'm, like, flipping out. It wasn't that big of a deal. Seth was there. He's he's just kind of, like, looking at his phone and just, like, waiting for the bus. I'm like, I think the last bus left, man. He's like, no, there's there's another one coming. Super calm, cool as a cucumber, you know. (laughs) And... 
it, we kept waiting and lo and behold there was no one coming so we just start fucking hustling through town to the other bus station find another driver bribe the dude to take us out to the cruise drop off get there with probably 15 minutes to spare of people Ooh. still loading on the boat 15-20 minutes skip the line because he's like jam cruise he's like a you know, jam cruise oh, yeah, big, big shot guy oh you know? yeah can, and which I was super super thankful for. Thank you, Seth, if you're yes. listening. <laughs> it's great when it's helpful, but it can be disgusting. Uh, <laughs> I love that guy, and, that, and yeah, that was a that was an experience that I didn't really talk about that much at the time because I was very embarrassed. So thanks for making me talk about it now, Rob. Sure, really welcome to that, our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking way back machine. Yeah, well, if Seth had been here, we might not. Have. So you grew up in uh, California, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And um, what are your earliest memories finding music? What, what drew you to music? Oh, man. I I feel like every time someone asks me this, I I have a different answer because I don't really remember. That's very Dylan-like. Create, create a myth. Yeah. Um, we, I, I will say that um, when, I was in about, when I was about eight or nine, we moved to a house that had kind of room for a piano in the living room and we inherited some estranged relatives kind of shitty upright piano and I was able to sit down at that at a pretty young age and start plunking away on it and naturally kind of got it um so that was my first exposure I think in this version of you asking me the question like (laughs) it was just fucking around on a piano how involved in the music world were you by the time you chose to move to Portland I uh, I did like choir and band and musical theater in in school and then high school I was in a punk band and you know we were local punk band we were pretty good in my eyes um but yeah it was it was around that time of late later in high school when I like decided that I would do it for a living like that was going to be my thing nice actually I I've give a lot of credit especially being from South Carolina I give a lot of credit to Jack Johnson because you know down there and, and in a lot of places but SoCal especially he's a, he's a god he's a he's a deity and he is to me too and, and I just was like that guy's just him and an acoustic guitar and he's killing it all over the radio pretty simple straightforward breezy summertime type of beach yeah, I'm not vibes a big, type of song. I'm not a big fan of his music, but a kind, kind, and true kind to of, heart person. The kind of soul I've ever gotten the pleasure of meeting. We actually did a tour with him last summer. Yeah. But I saw that. I saw him um, be able to success, And I was like, I can do that. I know I can do that, and I want to do that. Um, so I moved to Portland with like the vague that vague confidence of like, I want to do music. I don't know how it's going to happen, who I'm going to meet, what do I have to do. And things kind of fell into place once I took that leap. You met Mimi first. Yep. Very quickly, actually. Yeah. And her voice, which is just fills me. I mean, it's just amazing now. Yeah. It, it wasn't that good then right away. Was it? Did uh, she hone that more? Under- in, in my eyes, it always has been. But I'm sure if we like took a way back machine there and <laughs> that we wouldn't even recognize ourselves to a certain extent. But yeah, she's always in my eyes had the voice of an angel. And she actually helped bring my voice out um, because I'd always sang growing up but even being in choir and and, and musical theater and stuff hadn't really like projected to my full potential and like hit the range of my full potential and we I remember her and I rehearsing a a Midnight Rider by the Allman Brothers for a little like acoustic 
gig and I was supposed to do this high harmony I wasn't nailing she's just kind of pushed me to hit it and kind of helped me unlock my next step so thanks Mimi you're inner harmonious yes and how which long I'm, which I'm still on a constant journey to improve and unlock well you guys definitely work on your harmonies at shows in the oh, shows yeah. in the shows hey um but then how long after you met Mimi did you meet Jay Cobb? You met him at an open mic thing, was uh, it? Kind, yeah, well, Mimi, Mimi and Jay met because um, Jay went to one of Mimi's shows, solo shows in Portland, after, right after he had moved to town. But you, you and Mimi had already met at that yeah, point. We had already met. And then Mimi brought Jay over to my house after they were hanging out one night and was like, meet Jay and watch how good he plays guitar. And I was like, holy fuck, this guy's amazing. Um, super intimidating like monster shredder guitar guy and then yeah we started busking together after that and it was like your CSN moment basically yeah we sat down on the street and busked and sang Bob Marley songs and three part harmonies and kind of nailed the harmonies and which is that uh, it, uh, the way I've heard it heard you guys talk about it, it sounds like when CSN talks about you don't have to cry just the harmonies were there so naturally yeah like you didn't even have to discuss not really and that's still how it is when someone brings a song to the table like it only takes a couple minutes for us to figure out where we fit in that, you know, triad or whatever it is. So you knew that right away, but as composers and you just, it, it, it fits in another way as well. Your, your, your songwriting styles complement. Mm-hmm. How long did it take before you figured that out? Um, that's been just kind of slowly evolving throughout the years. Um, at the start, I, I was not writing very many songs. And the songs that I was writing kind of sucked pretty bad. <laughs> um, really bearing your soul down. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, what else do I have to do? What, what do I got to lose? Um, but yeah, being around them inspired me to, to step up my songwriting a lot and then just opening my ears to music from spanning all times and, and um, parts of the world and various genres. It's all, we, our songs have always kind of all fit together in some way. I think a lot of it is is the vocals tying it all together, making that kind of fruition harmony sound. And then just us kind of riffing off each other, right? like, like whether it's consciously or subconsciously, we're always influencing each other in some way. And the more time we spend together, which is now 11 years of spending time together, there's going to be a lot of Venn diagramic crossover between our respective shits. But you've road dogged it for a while. Yeah. I mean, like how how rustic was it at at points? <laughs> how rustic? I, well, I'm not sure what exactly. You what know, you how mean, raw? Like, how how like a van? What, or what was the smallest van? And we, what kind of places were you playing? Our first tours were as a four piece before we added drums and had an upright bass. We were cruising in my Ford Explorer. With all four of us, all of our instruments and gear and all of our belongings, um, just kind of asshole to elbow, right. crashing on people's floors um, or just not sleeping, and then sometimes scrounging up money to share a hotel room between the four of us. And, and that can kill a lot of bands. How did you keep from getting discouraged? I think we like each other. That helps a lot. You know, I think a lot of time when bands are just put together, they might not vibe like that but ours has been such a natural organic um progression that we've grown together um and luckily not grown apart 
or the, in the ways we've grown apart has been in healthy ways because we're you know individuals and whatever but but musically and band wise we've grown together we were in our early 20s when we started it and now everyone's got some grays poking out so yeah I don't know nothing I don't remember the, I don't remember what the question was honestly nothing wrong with how you kept from being discouraged <laughs> yeah when things were there I mean it took a while for you guys to hit we had a lot of we had a lot of encouragement and support from our families um and just from strangers and fans from day one we had have had fans telling us like you you got this just keep going like you have something special that not everyone is lucky enough to have right off the bat keep refining it keep fucking going for it and it's going to it's gonna pay out someday so was green sky bluegrass the first band to kind of you know embrace you and bring you out on the road i would say the first band that like kind of gave us a break was hot buttered rum ah um, yeah that they used to be hot buttered rum string band they were and actually Nat um, produced our first like kind of real record, which is the self-titled fruition record, Nat Keefe. And he actually was one of the stronger voices encouraging us to drop string band from our original name. We were, <laughs> we were fruition string band right. and we had talked about it and like, he kind of dropped that and we're like, yeah, that's yeah. Fuck that. Like, cause that's so can trap you into, you know, one little, Subsect of right. the genre or whatever. It's, it's like, amazing. Green sky bluegrass gets away with it. Usually, I know. you do not want to put a genre. They in got very lucky. I mean, they they've brought people who hate bluegrass right. into the fold because um, they're just fucking I, amazing. I sometimes wonder if like there's anything in them that wishes they were just green sky. They you know? they hinted at it in one of our interviews. Yeah, but, I've yeah, but um, they can get away with it. But they're they're, yeah, now yeah, they're crushing. Um, but yeah, not. We, we played a show at uh, this, speaking of rustic, like this incredibly small, tiny town on the Northern California coast called Casper, which is, I think, in Mendocino County. Um, yeah, it's Mendo. At a little place called the Casper Inn, which is like a little roadhouse. Probably was a brothel at some point in the past. Like, super weird, right on the cliffs of the Pacific Ocean. We did a show with Hopper at Rum there, and kind of befriended them and then when the late night party jams started to go down um, we did some me and Jay and Mimi and some harmony stuff and some like drunken late night shit and that was like oh my god you guys are you guys got something I want to produce your album and I don't think he had really been producing yet we hadn't really been recording yet so it was kind of a, a learning experience for all of us and Perfect studio yeah. storm. Yeah, and we got we did more dates with Butter. Um, they helped get our name out. Because Would you guys of, sit in with each other? Yeah. Uh huh. And then we yeah we just that was our that was our foot in the door. Do you think it's effortless for you to sit in like the, this TK and the Holy Know Nothings? I saw you last Saturday and you jumped in and didn't even know the songs and were able to sit <laughs> in. Do you think a lot of these late night sessions kind of train your mind to 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 be kinda, yeah I don't know malleable or whatever? Absolutely, yeah. I, definitely over the years have figured out how to play play with play well with others and a lot of that is just listening and knowing when not to play but then having a good general understanding of the instrument and like like common chord changes and just how that all works those songs the other night were luckily all kind of blues oriented progression so it's like all right blues and e i can handle that Right, and if it if there is something weird, just back off. Yeah, he and does we'll have figure a few, it out. Few twists and turns. Yeah, so you just back off. Yeah, gotcha. Um, but yeah, that's a 
super cool skill to have started developing over the years because it's fun to play with people. It's great to play music. So then uh, it took a while, but you guys did, uh, particularly out west, you do really well. You're just starting to play nicer rooms. You're at Terminal West here in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you feel like light at the end of the tunnel happening? You know, it's it's up and down. Um, our growth has been slow but constant. It has never been like a big spike or a big like this one big break or one hot single or some celebrity tweeted our shit or like whatever it is for us it's always been our feet out here on the ground kind of grassroots fan by fan making like a solid base so like that light at the end of the tunnel is always kind of in the distance um it's there and there's times where you like just a couple weeks ago we were playing at Red Rocks for 9,000 people with the Wood Brothers right with the Wood Brothers and everyone was singing along to our songs nice. and then there's times like last night in Dothan Alabama wow. where we had 30 people at the show it's Dothan um, <laughs> so it's like there's these that you know there's these moments of like oh my god we're doing it and like I, this is what I'm I know this is where I'm supposed to be and then there's other times where it's like what the fuck am I doing like and what do I do if this doesn't work and like you know that's the musician's dilemma. Do you work with each other in moderating your highs and lows? Like, not get too excited at Red Rocks and not get too bummed in Dothan? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're all so well-versed in playing shows for everybody or nobody at this point that we all know, that we all have the same thing in our heart that's like, if there's anyone there, play like everyone is there. Because you never know what those people are going through and how much they might need that energy and further, you might not ever know who those people are. Maybe they're, they're the connection. Maybe right. they're like Bob Boylan's in the crowd from NPR and he's like, wants to have us on Tiny Desk or something. Sure, like, sure. He's one of the three people there, just for an example. But Does like, that happen? Does, I saw you on Tiny Desk. Is that how that happened? We did not do Tiny Desk. We have submitted to the Tiny oh, Desk the concert. Okay. Um, Bob actually came to one of our shows in D.C. once and liked it, but it wasn't quite there for Tiny Desk yet. But you if you're perfect. listening, <laughs> I think we're ready to go now, they're, sir. They're perfect for Tiny Dust. Come on. I agree. I agree. But yeah, you know, it's, yeah, we, we manage expectations, especially on the slow nights, to like still play our heart out because it feels good. It feels good for everyone there for, if you're playing or listening. So when have you been most in awe of songs? I kind of asked this earlier. Songs that Mimi or Jay have come to you with. Because that, I'll never speak, I mean, that seems like right away that was, would have been obvious. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> that that's funny that, like, that one keeps coming up because, like, that's kind of the mo- one of the more left-field tunes we have in compared to, like, the general body of work that we've made over the years. Um, Just stay close to the mic. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I knew that one, I knew that one was going to be one of my favorites as soon as I heard it. Just because it's got such a classic, like, psych pop rock feel. Um, yeah, it's a good question, man. I knew that when we started playing I Should Be, which is an, another Mimi tune, that that one will withstand the test of time. And that one gets stuck in my head all the time still. We've been playing it for five years, so. So some of them come out earlier. Like, there she was on this one. That's before uh-huh. it was released, right? Yeah, correct. Is that yours or Jay's? That's me. 
So how long? How old is that one? Uh, yeah, probably about as old as I should be. We were playing those a couple years before we were before we had put them on, uh, watching it all fall apart. Is that a hard one to get the harmonies down on? Nah. No. Are any of them hard the harmonies for you? Most of them are. If they're hard, they're hard at the beginning, and then you know we play so much and fit in, fit together so much that there's not really. I'm sure if, if you asked me this after I was like looking at a catalog of the songs, like oh yeah, no that one's hard, that one's up. But <laughs> off the top of my head, no, it's that's the easiest part of this band, is is singing. And while you might not jam out like a jam band, you do mix your set. I mean, you have a ton yeah. of songs. We have a ton of songs, and like we're about to be putting out 14 more in the next couple months and just constantly pumping them out. So, yeah, the set list writing gets a little more exciting every night just because it's a bigger pool, but also a little more difficult each night because, like, oh, I wanted to play so-and-so, and now it, we're, you know, we can't because too many songs, and in my opinion, too many good songs. So it's a good problem to have. Which Kellen songs are on the first EP? Uh, just one. I have one Kellen song on each EP. Um, the first one has the co-write between me and Jay. But yeah, there's just one on each. Uh, the one on the first EP is called Sweet Hereafter. songs of those 14 that you're most excited to bring into the repertoire that you that, can see that, that that's one? one of them we don't have any songs like that it's got a very like kind of like subtle hip hop soul type of groove to it that's really moody and really vibey and sounds like it should be broken out in Atlanta too uh, um, this time next year maybe <laughs> <laughs> or earlier earlier um, yeah I'm really looking forward to playing that one all of them man I'm just excited to play new music and are you, did you sit in with other bands at all when you're on the road? Like More and more now. Uh, the first few years of the band, I was just playing rhythm guitar, which is not really a sit-in instrument. 
Um, but now you're playing keyboards I'm, a lot. I'm playing keyboards the majority of the show now. Yeah. And that's way more of a sit-in instrument. So yeah, I've been more and more doing that. And, when, and whenever I can, I'm down to sit in on vocals and learn a verse or just learn a background harmony or whatever it is. What other keyboards would you add, assuming that you continue to grow as I expect you to do? What would uh, be the first things you would add to your setup? Um, a legit B3 and Leslie setup would probably be the first thing. I mean, ideally, I love, I love having the Nord Stage 2, which is what I use up there, which is like this incredible fucking machine that can do everything but I'd like to have the analog versions of everything that I play on that keyboard so have a B3 have a Rhodes have a Wurlitzer and by then have a roadie to carry them have a, several heavy. roadies to carry them heavy, heavy. and huge road cases and a giant trailer and yeah blah blah blah, blah. And, a, and an upright piano like just to have all of it and a Mellotron and a clav well I'm excited <laughs> I'm excited for this next batch of music. Hopefully, that'll take you there. Yeah, you know, we, me, and our drummer were just talking today about like what as we like create our stage plot for 2020. Like, what kind of things we'd like to change to improve, and and this and that. And it's kind of like we can't do, can't make that much more improvement or buy that much more gear until we hit the next little step of what we're bringing in. Um. Both, I mean, just from plays and, and buys and stuff. So, like I said earlier, slowly but surely, it's been a slow burn. And it, you know, it's just kind of been this slight angle upwards since the beginning. So we just got to keep holding on and keep writing good music. And, and yeah. Keep each other inspired. And keep each other inspired and, and take care of ourselves, take care of each other and keep our heads straight. So a couple things to wrap up. Uh, what, what are your plans for Halloween, New Year's? Uh, we are, we'll be past Halloween by the time this. Just before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You guess you know better. Than that. We'll be in Petaluma, California on Halloween um, with a, a band out there called Bear Market Riot, who are some friends of ours from the West Coast. But don't you guys dress up as a costume together? Yeah. I mean, generally, if you play a Halloween show, it's expected. And No, um, but I mean, I thought you guys would, uh, it would be a tied in theme or something we, you would be one character we haven't figured that out just yeah, yet yeah. um but yeah historically speaking we've tried to have a theme for the whole band instead of just like everyone wearing random costumes right my favorite one was a couple years ago we had a two set show at revolution hall in portland on halloween and the first set uh all the males in the band were like dressed as like Greasers and Mimi was wearing like a poodle skirt and pigtails and a white top. And then second set, we switched. We did a little gender swap. Nice. We all wore poodle skirts and like female wigs and like the whole fucking knee highs and everything. And Very Mimi cool. looked like Elvis. Nice. It was incredible. Mimi reminds me of Elvis sometimes. Yeah, that's just guy. Yeah, she has a charisma, a uh-huh. very natural onstage charisma. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about New Year's Eve? New Year's Eve, we'll be in Portland at the aforementioned venue. We'll be at Revolution Hall, um, which is great. I, I miss playing in Portland. We played there so much coming up, and now we play basically once a year. 
So uh, will you hold any material? Like I know you held beside you, right? Sometimes you hold songs. Will you hold any material for the big shows, or you could just get the songs out there? We generally will hold at least our model of the last few years, the last few releases has been to hold the songs until the release. Um, right, but then once released, is there one or two? You well, maybe we'll dust that off New Year's Eve or. Yeah, um, yeah. No, you're right. New Year's Eve is a good time for bust outs, but uh, we haven't really talked about it yet, honestly. And what about next year? Looking forward, anything you can tease us with? Any co bills? Uh, yeah, we're starting the year off doing a doing a bill with the California Honey Drops at the brand new Mission Theater in Denver. Oh, wow! Or Mission Ballroom, which is a amazing, like brand new state of the art spot. Um, that's early January, so that's uh, the first thing we're really looking forward to. Any nibbles on Red Rocks? When does Red Rocks usually get booked? Been up next month? Yeah, uh, before the end of the year or start of next year is about when we're starting to they talk see to those bites. Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny any Red Rocks information at this time. Because <laughs> we're hoping for a headline, <laughs> if anybody's listening. Um well, too soon. Th- a lot of that is too soon to say. It, it all depends on like some of the feedback we get on these new releases and how much that increases our followership. I don't think that a headline is going to be next summer, if I'm being totally honest. I think that the next step for us would be a legit co-bill of another band that's at, at about our spot that we can come together and fill that place up. Um, barring some kind of big commercial success, sync licensing, publishing, or radio that makes one of these songs really hit, um, then, you know, headliner thing is, is in the question. But Who would you love to open for that's in the Red Rocks realm? Not like, you know, Peter Gabriel out of nowhere. <laughs> but, you know, you know the bank of groups that tend to play there. Is there one you would most want to be uh, paired with? Yeah. Um, we, we always put our feelers out into the universe to try and play with Tedeschi Trucks because <laughs> I think that would just be like a dreamy time. Well, Kebby Williams is playing late night tonight after your show. Oh, we really? should go over and talk to him. Where's that? Uh, I'll show you later. Okay. I got it in here. Yeah, cool. But how, what do you feel about audience recording? You guys in favor of that? Yep, totally support it. And you're it, not- it gets a little weird sometimes if we're playing unreleased songs because then they're on the internet. I mean, depending on what tapers are doing with the tapes, then they're on the internet and, like, you know, anyone can do anything with them before they're fully realized or sometimes before they're copywritten um which is just like weird side note true yeah it's fair something to think about absolutely but generally we, we although love, there is implied copyright yeah and anymore we're like trying to get these songs legally ours before we're playing them air on the side of caution yeah yeah some ugly stuff happens out there paul yeah. simon paul simon how you doing hi <laughs> paul if you're listening we love you <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely, man. I hope that I hope I didn't sound like a complete jackass. No, no, not at all. That's like me. That's my job. Rambling and forgetting the questions. And no, we have intellectually <laughs> curious listeners, so they will love everywhere. Cool. Well, hi everybody, and, and see ya. And check out Osiris Pod. Uh, yeah. The Osiris Media and Podcast I am Network. What if I am the danger? What if I am? If I've seen this all before Seen through this tired plan That we sabotage our hearts And to what end I've got to learn to love myself 
Another one that I hated to miss. Uh, lot, lately, we've been doing a lot of these, though. Uh, kind of interesting, but um, but our format's picking back up to the Rob and Seth interview. So thanks for uh, tuning into these, and thanks for going out there and being our field reporter, Rob. I was a little mad at my voice. Uh, you know, I'm sitting there, the only you know, I'm sitting there without you, and that that's the time my voice chooses to bail on me. I don't know. Maybe that Saturday before the TK Holy Know Nothing's fruition show might have something to do with that. No, your Wherever voice is cracking up, there up in Kennesaw. Yeah. That guy's house, I don't even remember. Uh, whatever, it was great. Great time. Um, check out TK and the Holy Noth- No Nothings, folks. They're great as well. Seth, how was Jam Cruise? Exhausting. Jam Cruise 18. That literally is my 18th sailing. I've done every single one. And when I say I've done, I've worked every single one. And, you know, every year I get off the ship and I say the same thing. It's amazing how year after year... It gets better and better. And this year, I'm not going to say that because after 18 sailings, it's just jam cruise. It's a continuation. It's no longer getting better. It is getting better, but it's a continuation. Quick question. They went to a smaller boat for a couple of years. Was this the first year back on the bigger boat? Back on the bigger ship, back with MSC. It felt good to be back on the MSC Davina. So that does make a difference, doesn't it? That not? makes a difference. But, you know, there's a lot of lessons that the organization's grown and done. So I'll give you an example. We hit weather this year. Now, we've built the atrium uh, so that the atrium, we can do sets there. We do piano sets with, like, Ivan Neville. Atrium's Aaron on Magner. the top, right? Atrium's in the middle. That's oh. where your reception is. It's a three-story in the center. Uh, and you can look down into the onto the piano. You know what I heard about real quick? Uh, the Mo set there. But mm-hmm. go on. So... So what happens is, is we, we set this up so we can have some stuff there, you know, jazz sets, things like that. 
But production's gotten smart and said, well, we need a backup plan. Let's make sure that you know we can crank a PA if we need to. So the PA is as good as it needs to be for a rock and roll band. Now, flash forward to what you're saying, we hit heavy seas. I know the boat was a rockin' this year. Were you we one with clo- the Raging Wind? Yes. Uh-huh. So, Alive on the highest... I forget. So, at any rate, the, the, uh, we had to close the pool deck, and we had to move some sets around. The first one was, of course, Mo. And, I mean, listen, if we, if we approach Mo and say, hey, we want you guys to do your second set in the atrium instead of the pool deck or theater, and, you know, well, they would say no. Uh, bands that say no, I want to be on the pool deck, or I, but they, you know, so there's no way we could have done this. Well, so we go ahead and we tell the captain go right into that storm. No, we didn't say that, but <laughs> there was no chance of it, you know, no choice rather. So we go ahead and we move the show, and the band took it and said, okay, we'll do it. We'll we'll make the best of it. Of course, and they Mo, made the, the best great... of it. and They destroyed it. It was, it was such an amazing set, and they're great guys, Mo. Of course, they rolled with it. And if you're a Mo fan, you want to get a recording of the show. Uh, Scott Bernstein was raving about it in his jam bass write-up. It sounds like Oh, speaking of which, if you want to know more about Jam Cruise, listen here just a brief bit, but I encourage you, I urge you, go to Jam Bass and read up. Scotty, he's everywhere. He he does such a great job of reporting Jam Cruise, and he really captures the spirit. and and, And by the way, like, he knows who's sitting in before the person that sits in knows they're sitting in. That's how much knowledge he has on Jam Cruise. Yeah, if you're a band and you're on Jam Cruise, or you work with a band you're on Jam Cruise, you want to let Scotty know if stuff like that's going to happen. It's just the smart way to be. Now, some other highlights are Electron's uh, atrium set. You know, last day there, they came out and, and they did another phenomenal set there. Samantha Fish. She mm-hmm. was amazing. Another one that had to go into the atrium and just rocked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, so it was really a special Jam Cruise in that sense. Each Jam Cruise is something unique. That was what was unique. Uh, speaking of Samantha Fish and activities, we kicked off the activities with a guitar. Oh, no, sorry, the Art of the Blues, where uh, we sat there uh, with her and Walter Wolfman Washington. They show up and they say, what are we doing? I go, well, just, you know, I prepped it ahead of time in the emails. But, you know, the, sometimes managers don't always get information to the artists and Anyway, so Ooh. they show up and industry talk. Yes, yes. So they they, they show up like, what are we doing? I'm like, well, you know, just want you guys to talk about the blues, the art of the blues, you know, your relationship, etc. And they're like, well, are you going to moderate? I'm like, well, if you want me to, you know, no big deal. I mean, uh, but I thought you just you just got you know you, you two would just go up there and kind of go. And well, Walter didn't want to do that. He wanted to. He wanted some someone professionally to coach through it. Right. So you needed me. Oh, Rob. So there I was, and I put on my podcast hat, and thankfully I had all these episodes of to work of knowledge, you know. So I was able to really navigate through all that. It turned into an amazing interview with them. Uh, we did cool. some crowd questions, but you know, I got to tell you, when I needed to ask a question, I needed to move it forward. I went in my head and I thought of Rob, and I brought up the kill mommy. Oh, did you? The I job? did. There was a couple other things. I because I thought about it. Like, what are some questions I know that I've asked or we've asked in the podcast that that generate conversation? And we did that. And they did a lot of playing back and forth. It was really, really cool. Was Muddy a mommy? Was Muddy a mommy? No. no. Was a Howlin' Wolf a mommy? BB. Mm, BB, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, really, really. Let me, let me guess another thing. Concise notes make every note count. Use space. That sort of thing. They talked about listening. They talked about um, how there was a lot of like, you know, Samantha talked a bit about how uh, I'm trying to put the right words for it, but 
yeah, it's not all about just taking these crazy solos. Like that's a big part of it, but how you listen to the other, you know, it's like, it's like the Miles Davis, the notes that aren't played that deal. Uh, but that was a huge highlight. Another big highlight was my vision to have Brock Butler, Ryan Mount blue and Keller Williams do an acoustic cafe where it'd be songs in the round. But with those guys, it wasn't, you know, one song per musician. They blended stuff together. They did a, they did a, uh, Oh God! What's this song? Oh gosh, God! Anyway, they did. Did they do Dock of the Bay? Like I talked about, the wasn't Dock done? of the Bay, but it ties into that. Um, my girl, my girl. Oh. In, yeah, they did a my girl, my girl. into jump, 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 jump. Everybody jump, <laughs> jump on my girl, yo! Oh my gosh, it was funny. Now. Being Jam Cruise, as Rob will go on and on and on about, you know, people are there to party, not always listen to the music. So here I thought an acoustic... No, I'm usually pithy with that. I'm usually very succinct. So I thought that... It's still a great time. Come on. Yeah, it was amazing. So I thought that this would be, you know, coffee specials and all this. People would be chilled out. Coffee specials. Maybe that wasn't the best idea. But Acoustic Cafe, a listening kind of space for them to do this. Now, all of a sudden, the music's, you know, they're they're lively and they're having so much fun of the three of them. But by the bar, fucking people are as chatty as can be. And everyone tries to shush them in the front. And then Ryan Mountblue kind of, you know, lays in on them and tells everyone like, hey, I love you all, but like... You know, there's plenty of rooms where you just come and talk and we deal with it. But we're trying to do a, a listening thing here. Like, can you shut the fuck up, essentially? Did they? Uh, kind of. Uh, but, you know, then but the what the band did, what the musicians did then is just lively it up a little bit. And then everyone played, you know, kind of. Oh, you know what they did to bring everyone quiet? They had everyone do a sing along and then shushed them after that in a way. But it, it didn't get it wasn't a perfect like pin drop. And goes, this is why David Bromberg's not coming on Jam Cruise. You know what I mean? Like great activity, though. People had a great time. Another highlight was we closed out the weekend with Wait, Wait, Don't Jam Me. So what is that? It's a radio show like Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, yeah. but Wait, Wait, Don't Jam Me. Now, wait, wait, don't jam Joe, me. <laughs> Joe Marcinic was an amazing. Uh, oh, I love Joe. Yeah, he crushed it. He had a killer, uh, he had a killer, killer, killer uh, jam rooms that just, he just owned it. He hosted it that one night. Um, but he, he stepped to the plate and was like, hey, you want a band for this? I said, yeah. So now we got a backup band and we had Tank as our one of our panelists tank and the bangas tank right who's just amazing uh we had Corey wong and scotty b from jam Base. these were our panelists it was such a fantastic game show i brought on alex gear from uh we be spelling uh many familiar with the uh, spelling bees uh, so i brought him on my team to help put this together and so all week he took he was a he took all of my staff and got questions and trivia and he built this game show and we we did it and it was amazing it was super super funny I had Vinny on drums on that one from Mo Vinny came in and uh and so the band was great and the band starts vamping and Tank's like can I come up and you know can I go and sing I'm like yeah you can sing so she gets up there and starts singing and it was so organic and so free flowing and so much fun. Uh, and really funny. The uh, trivia was great. Of course, we had the uh, right or wrong. So Corey had to tell us if the tr- if it was true or false, if it was right or wrong. Yeah, you know, puns like that. But oh, and Corey, and uh, you would appreciate this, Corey Wong was like beating me up on my bad jokes. Oh, I love him already. Let's yeah. have him on the show. Yo, he'll be on. He'll be on for sure. His band was great. Wait, uh, we were supposed to have him on when, they were, when he opened for Humphreys. Yeah. What yeah, happened? Yeah. Didn't no, work out. It didn't work out. But he, he'll be on the show, hands down. And one of the other favorites was the... Um, uh, I had the idea of the Jam Cruise wedding this year to 
have cut chemists. So I told you the story. I'll tell you again. So I, I emailed. Nothing happened out of it. So then I see Cut uh, and Charlie Tuna over. Wait, at- you really call him Cut? That's like, hey, Cut. It's not like he has a name that you look. That's like his street name too. Hey, Cut, what's going on? Well, that's what I call. And so, so yeah, cut it out. So we go ahead and uh, I see him at Closer to the Sun. I'm like, I tell him the idea. He's like, yeah, I, I'm down with that. So here's the idea. Here's how it lays out. Uh, Jonathan Lloyd ends up coming on Jam Cruise, trombone player, who uh, we often talk about when he he sits in with New Master Sounds when they play Atlanta. He's correct. a fantastic, great guy too. He's a hell of a band leader, hell of a musician, hell of a person. So I share this idea with him. He becomes my musical director, and here we go. Cut chemist. We do the wedding. We have Captain Toast officiated. It's a beautiful ceremony. It's our Jam Cruise wedding. It's not a real wedding, but everyone's getting married on Jam Cruise that's there. It's it's a nice ceremony just expressing love and jammerty, right? It's jam family, love whatever you're going. Jammerty. Ah. So... Like Harmony, Germany. And so we cut out of the wedding into Cut Chemist doing a DJ set. Now it's all funk and dance party and everyone's having a good time. Now, Marcus King's Super Jam was going to take place on the pool deck, but it got moved to the theater. Let me guess, Rain. Yes. Uh, this, no, it wasn't Rain. It was wind, actually. Didn't. Wind. Yeah, the wind. You couldn't be up on the pool deck. It was too windy. Oh, the wind and rain. So now Cut is just tearing it up. So the whole week, though, Lloyd's... Uh, so we we talked to Cut ahead of time. Cut built a 15-minute segment, about well, 10 to 15-minute segment where we're going to add horns. I'm going to call him Mr. Chemist when I meet him. Okay, Is that you right? could do that. Okay. So Jonathan Lloyd gets a horn section together. Uh, Chris Littlefield on trumpet from Carl Denson. Nice. Uh, Chris on sax. I forget his last name. I should get that for you. A really good dude. Uh, some of the ghost note horn players and a couple others. So we had about eight horn players, right, that come up and start playing with Cut. So Cut's now playing all of these different like funk tracks with a horn sections playing on top of the recorded horns. So kind of a neat, neat thing. Yeah. The timing, the timing was amazing because the timing of it happened when Marcus King super jam ends. So all of a sudden the room is just gets filled at, you know, because people are passing through as these horns start coming up and it just people are like, what am I stumbling into? And it just was magical. Very cool. Yeah, so that's, uh, so, I mean, I can go on and on about the different things at Jam Cruise. The activities were were great. I enjoyed it. Um, you know what I want to ask about? Come on. No, the slip weren't on this year. The spot. Ah, oh, the spot. Yeah, Nathan Moore. Uh, it's a real quick explanation for those who don't listen to every Nathan Moore. It's just chaos, party, party, great time. But a lot of people want to, at some point, listen to music, not hear people talk loudly about how great their costumes are. And uh, so there's this little place on the, Outside of the boat that Nathan Moore sort of does an informal jam where people go and usually sit quietly and actually listen to music. So how was it this year? Well, and then, by the way, when you had the smaller boat, the spot suffered a little, I was told. Well, the spot didn't suffer this year. It was right outside of the jam room. Because you're back in the big boat. And there, you know, sometimes you'd walk by and you feel like it's church. It's which, very little, it gets a little churchy. Which, uh, you know, I think those people could use a little church, maybe. Mm, Jam cruisers, God bless them. And, uh, but, but, but late night, like four in the morning, the spot's like really tight and, and, and people are really deep jamming and it's acoustic and it's nice, but everyone's chatting around it because it's your like big hang. Mm. So it's just interesting. It's a, but they, but you, if you want to hear the music and get into it, you go. And the Sweet Lilies were not artists on board, but they were guests. Uh, on board and they brought their instruments and they played so the lovely Becca there was uh, playing all around the ship really they are sweet there's a reason why they're not just lilies just two memories of my two times on Jam Cruise one the spot uh, Anders uh, Anders Beck 
<laughs> and uh, Paul Hoffman and God, who else? The guy, the guys from the Slip, and uh, just sitting around picking, playing beautiful, beautiful stuff, and everybody listening intently. I, uh, that's one of my favorite things. And then also, uh, I remember. I don't know if I should say this. You can take it out. You're doing the editing, but one of the years I went on it, the boat was pretty dry, and then we we um, we went to somewhere in Jamaica, and we went on, and somehow yeah, Freeport, we, no, not Freeport, yeah, it was uh, yeah, Freeport, Freeport, Jamaica, when we hit the deck. Somehow a bunch of people got weed on the boat, and oh, uh, and they were pulling out of port, and Gomez is on stage, and we hit a storm, and they didn't cancel. They, you know what I mean? You the, back then, I don't know if Jam Cruise is a little tighter with not it letting. It depends some. on the wind. It was windy. I mean, I remember the keyboard, there, the curly hair keyboard guy. His keyboard was moving yeah. around, and Gomez played through, and they were awesome. And it was the storm, and the boat, and the moving, and the finally having weed, and Gomez, and it was so so electric. It was awesome, but that probably wouldn't happen now. It depends. It's all about the the, the wind. I mean, that's it that's what it comes. Wind. Well, I know what you're saying, but there's you know there's there's potential and all this sort of stuff and um if there's going to be gusts you know if the wind is like steady at a certain amount it's one thing but if there's gusts coming through you know there's that's a lot of a lot of gear a lot of safety hazards uh all depends um there's another spot that added this year on the cruise uh the back of the ship there's a small pool in the garden bar and they did sets there brock butler uh was outstanding just playing everywhere this year as well. Scotty B mentioned a, a Brock Butler solo set and gave a nice a detailed review of, of his set uh, also in his write-up. Scotty, you, you really serve the community well when you do those write-ups, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. Most people can't afford either the time or the money or both to go on Jam Cruise, so it's nice to get a Scotty B window into that world. And a lot of the, a lot of the music was, well, all the music is just so great, but I got it. There is moments, though, where like I'm watching uh, Carl Denson and friends up there, and I'm like, Watch and uh, so I actually talked to Chris Littlefield about it because I'm like, man, like you guys are just destroying it and your energy is so high. And then I'm like sitting back because I was kind of tired and it kind of was like didn't want to get into the crowd because I didn't want to chat with everyone. And so I kind of sat and I was watching the show as opposed to being down in the with the people and the and and I'm like, what's it like for you all? Like when you look out there and people are just fucking chatting like crazy. I mean, and he's like, Seth, he goes. It's Jam Cruise. I don't expect people to be listening to us. He goes, and by the way, this happens everywhere we go, but he's like, I, I'm still feeding off their energy because but, everyone's having such a great time. And Jam Cruise is the last place a musician usually is going to complain about it because they're lucky to be on the boat in the first place. Well, Unless you're galactic and you're expected to be. Everybody Carl's else is lucky. Insane, but I, yeah, I was like, I thought maybe they would be deterred by it, but no, he's like... It's you know I'm looking out of the crowd and yeah they might be talking but look at them they're dancing they're they're the energy is excitement so they're feeding off off the energy off the show and and it's it's a back and forth thing too it's not just like but you see they are listening but the music is elevating them it's like what Keller said to me as here's a segue one of our upcoming episodes with Keller Williams we got some he gave us some cool stuff including a Colonel poem but um. He, uh, you know, at his show, there was a lot of chatting, which is just odd. I don't understand why people go out of the way to see Keller just to talk over him. And he was playing great stuff, but he has the inner monitors and the set break we were talking. And uh, he was like, it doesn't bother me anymore. I just do my thing and the pe- hope that the people listening will hear it and focus on doing the best I can, which on that night, he did a wonderful, wonderful show. So um, to sum it up, Jam Cruise 18. Was... Oh, so much for the segue. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're back into it. We yeah. should invert it. Yeah, you know. And do a dyslexic version. I'm so glad the biscuits are back. But go ahead. I'm sorry. 
I'm very biscuity lately. Most like people are, but now they're gonna now they're building demand because Mark has to take a minute to uh, for his health. Yes, but he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Yeah, he had a retina that walked out on him. I don't know. I didn't get it all clear. I think the retina left. I think they had a fight and the retina walked out or something. I don't know. Don't make a song out of that. Well, they should have him come back with a patch and be like, one with a raging wind. You're right about that. Oh, my God. That would have been funny. So sum up Jam Cruise and then we'll sum up the episode. Well, yeah. I mean, that's it. Just listen. If you've never been on Jam Cruise and you like this music, pre-book now. Uh, We're going to be Jam Cruise 19 and it's always an amazing time. Just always amazing. But I will tell you, Rob, I'm getting older, and there is a difference. It's uh, you got to pace yourself a lot differently now, and and it's just it's just a bit different being a little older. But uh, I'm very very pleased with the activities this year. They were they were all really really great. Um, no flops, and and I'm also proud of the Jam Cruisers for going out of their way to attend these activities you know the pebble party and all this sort of stuff there we always had a great attendance so uh, obviously people are enjoying it but they're going out of their way to to enjoy it so thank you for that well they uh, should that's one of the most unique things about jam cruise well thank you so uh, sum it up rob well we got uh, episodes coming up john kudlechik as i said keller williams um i think we're gonna have the turquoise <laughs> episode hopefully well i'm sorting through that i'm sifting through that i'm wading through the waters of that um, but a bunch of other stuff, and uh, we appreciate you listening. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say? I'm headed to Mexico for the next three weeks. I've got the Wilco, Wilco Sky Blue Sky, which is a first-time event. Uh, after that, Panic and La Playa, we're on our number nine. And number nine, number nine. And then uh, Brandy Carlisle's Ooh, Girls Just so, Want a Weekend. So oh, I'll be doing that. Then I come back, Rob. The, the lineup for the Brandy Carlisle thing is just phenomenal. Sorry. Go no, on. no, it's great. The first year event last year was just unbelievable. So I'm stoked. It sold out this year right away. Uh, so it should be a great event. Last year was amazing. I'm, I have high expectations. And then I come back. We'll hang out for a week. And then I'm taking Daryl to Disney World. Awesome. Yeah. He's so excited. Honestly, it's like, it's like, more excited. I'm I'm as excited to take him there as I am to go on Jam Cruise. You know what I'm saying? So, folks, we're going to leave you with some music from Fruition from last fall. Their show at Terminal West paired with TK and the Holy No Nothings. This is Eraser. And then uh, the, all these songs that you've heard are chiefly written by Kellen, our feature, including this one coming up. But we do end the episode with a J-Cobb classic so before we cut to it i want to thank our listeners thank for you listening and also i urge you please take a moment we're not getting paid to do this at we all. do this out of the love of our heart and by the way it it's painful sometimes doing this isn't it rob it can only go so long if we don't get sponsors so please all you we're not asking you for money but give us reviews help You're, us get sponsors if you really like this show or it really could disappear so please do I can't erase you, she said I could use free space in my head An empty place in your stand To fill with something real You hold on, my heart's not fair 
I often wish that it was never there Now I can't erase what she said I just want to feel, feel better Feel better So I took off walking today Trying to send these thoughts on their way Some of them were destined to stay To let you know they're real themselves up inside People hang their heads down and cry People fall to the left and to the right We're all trying to heal The pain in your heart's not fair You don't have to be yours alone to bear let us not erase what we share And together we're gonna feel, feel better love you too, man. We really love coming and playing in Atlanta so much. It's definitely, definitely like a second home to us, so.